Welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Tonight, Daniel House joins us, Vikings Corner, Gopher Guru, to talk all things Gopher prospects, NFL draft prospects, and just the current state of the Vikings this offseason. So grab your Lake Monster beer and join us for what's bound to be a fun show. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Woo-hoo. Hello and welcome. Do we make it, Dave? Yes, you who YouTube right. caught tonight. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. This week, a little bit different than what you've seen the last couple of weeks. We're actually back in our homes. We're not live at Lake Monster uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota, but tonight uh, I'm joined by my co-host Ryan Ortega. Dave, the producer, and very special guest, Daniel House. Daniel, how are you doing tonight? Thank you for joining us. I'm, by doing, the way. Well. I'm doing well. Dave's Dave's got me all thrown off here because I got my background up. He he, he put a nice background up for all the people tonight, the cheer, <laughs> Vikings cheerleaders for me. So I didn't pick the background. Hey, yeah, I I mean, have, for- they're cheering you on. Can't, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> For those listening and or, or watching, at least, uh, there was an option to put a U.S. Bank Stadium behind, but uh, Dave insisted that he wanted cheerleaders to sit behind Daniel tonight for for the show. So, cheerleaders, cheerleaders, it is. Um, Ryan, <laughs> how are you doing tonight? Uh, it's it's eight oh four as we record this. Uh, this time last week, we were probably at least two beers in. Uh, now I, I'm only starting my first, but how? What are you drinking? Yeah, I got uh, Monster Shipwit. Lake Monsters, kind of. I think it's one of their um, more Belgian style beers. They did a they did a collab with another local brewery in South Minneapolis, I believe. Um, so it's a combination of kind of what they both do best, which again it turned out to be a great beer. So I'm about halfway into this one. So. Probably a little bit okay. more coherent than I usually am when we start the shows live. So I'm um, excited to be here tonight. Absolutely. And, and for those who are, are tuning in maybe for the first time and don't know, Lake Monster is sponsoring this episode as well as all of our other Climbing the Pocket shows now moving forward. So if you're looking for a great beer and a great time, make sure you head on over to Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul, Minnesota, because they make unique versions of classic beer styles and they put their own subtle twists on the flavors that craft beer drinkers have come to love. They range from esoteric and approachable, subtle to over the top. Their beers adhere to the philosophy that there really is always more to be discovered. Um, well, let's let's dive right in. Uh, it, it's been a year since we've had you on the show, Daniel. I'm, I'm liking this. If we can keep this going every year and get you in here for, for gopher coverage and NFL draft coverage, it's we always love picking your brain. So, I'm going to toss the floor to you, and you choose the direction that we go. Do you want to you want to start on the state of the Vikings offseason and then lead into some NFL draft prospects and then hit the Gophers at the end, or do you want to start with the Gophers right off the rip? Well, let's start with the Vikings offseason because we might be able to segue into some of the Gopher prospects later. Absolutely. Well, I think I'll just ask you a broad question right away. What are your thoughts so far this offseason? New GM, new head coach, Kirk Cousins extended, um, just lots lots of of stuff to talk about. But what are your overall thoughts on, 
on at least the direction that Kwesi and, and Kevin O'Connell have started to lead this team? Well, a, a lot's happened since we last talked a year ago. Um, bringing in Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, who I'm, I'm really excited about. I think his approach just with the football research side of it, being able to gather just a ton of info from a lot of different perspectives and not just using the numbers to make decisions, but also incorporating the, the football schematics into it and c- combining football instinct with the numbers, which I think is really important and having that context as you're making decisions. You're not just saying I'm making decisions this way because we've always done it that way, using every piece of information that you can get and then finding ways to visualize it and make those uh, make the best moves for the team. And then, you know, Kevin O'Connell being able to bring some of those modern passing concepts to Minnesota. That's what I'm excited about the most, just being able to use a lot of pre-snap motion and take advantage of Justin Jefferson's skill set by, you know, designing plays specifically for him that are going to maximize his skill set. Uh, just putting the the team in a position where they're, they're maximizing strengths. And I think that's one of the things that I've noticed with Kevin O'Connell uh, in interviews. He says, never fight a fair fight. And I think that just speaks to kind of the philosophy that he's going to have, giving yourself a schematic edge over your opponent by tailoring each game plan to the opponent that you have, you know, not just trying to jam a square peg into a round hole, I guess, but just, you know, finding the best matchups on a week to week basis and then altering your personnel around that. And you kind of see what, where, where the Vikings are heading with the, the personnel that they brought in, uh, you know, bringing in Nate Harrison and uh, Chandon Sullivan, two nickel guys. I see them being versatile players. We're like Chandon Sullivan. I'm not sure exactly what his role will look like. Maybe they don't even know at this point, kind of see how the draft plays out, but personally kind of see him as a hybrid nickel corner safety type and might give you some options like in three safety looks, dime stuff. Uh, I'm not impressed with his speed per se. I, I don't think that's a strength within his game and that could be a problem at times, but I do think like he's really good at making plays on the ball and can kind of be that dime type of player. And Nate Harrison, I, I liked him a lot at the Vikings Broncos joint practices. I actually thought the Vikings could probably bring him in last off season when roster cuts hit. He's just a super physical cornerback, really good blitzer. Uh, I think, you know, the, the big thing with the nickel cornerbacks guys is, is setting strong edges. Now they're probably going to be pretty involved in the run game side of it within this scheme. So you got to have really physical nickel corners that can make plays in the alley. And I think versatility is kind of the name of the game with everything that they're doing on the offensive line. You see, you know, Chris Reed being able to play all of those interior spots. I think that was probably the best offensive line signing, probably the starting right guard when, when the smoke all clears, I would guess. You really wonder if Jesse Davis would have actually happened if Chris Reed was signed first. Because I really think Chris Reed is is an outstanding signing, and it was just a really physical player, solid in pass pro. Did a nice job when filling in there with with the Colts, and I think you know Austin Schlotman had a relationship with Justin Riscotti in Denver, right guard at TCU, center experience has played left and right guard with the Broncos, a little bit of center, so he gives you just about everything. And you know Jesse Davis, very experienced, versatile player. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if he's, you know, he's probably a little bit of an upgrade over like a Rashad Hill type because he can play all the spots and he's probably suited better uh, at the right guard position, which I think that's probably where you'll see him. But the Vikings are bringing in a ton of guys, you know, throwing some darts, seeing what seeing what hits and hopefully they can kind of figure out that that guard situation. 
in, in a big one sure, that, yeah. uh, that, that, that you didn't quite mention is Zadarius Smith coming over from, uh, uh, green Bay. What are your, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I love the move if he's healthy. I think, you know, with this scheme, it, it's critical to have guys that you can move around and create mismatches with. You know, you're going to see Zadarius line up inside, you know, standing up inside in the A-gap, playing three-tech, lining up, you know, sometimes, you know, most of the time probably on the edge. But they can create different mismatches based upon, you know, if you've got a interior uh, offensive lineman that really is struggling with speed, you can line him up in there. Uh, just so many possibilities, and that's kind of what this scheme's built around. I, I think fans are going to really enjoy the aspect of, you know, you're not necessarily sending pressure all the time. You're sending, like, sim pressures and creepers where, you know, you're dropping an edge rusher, you're maintaining coverage behind it, and you're still – you're rushing four, but you're bringing a, a, un, a untraditional rusher. So, like, a linebacker, a safety, a corner coming from a different spot, you're – Sending three defensive linemen, but an untraditional rusher. So kind of applying pressure without really sending an additional rusher. You can still play coverage. and But they'll mix it up. I mean, Mike Patton's influence, I think, will be witnessed most in the front side of it with the Sims and the Creepers because it's been a huge part of his background. And Donatel had that with Vic Fangio as well. And he'll be tied into the back end. Uh, the cover one principles, I mean, they were a top five team, the Broncos, last year in cover one, playing a lot of man-to-man coverage, but I also think you'll see a mix of cover two, cover four, cover six, just depending upon the cornerback talent that that the Vikings have because, you know, the, the draft will be huge there, just trying to get maybe one more cornerback that you can trust. I mean, we don't really know what to expect from Cam Dantzler. I think that's kind of the wild card yeah. in the room. How does this new coaching staff feel about Cam Dantzler? Was it more of a thing where he just didn't respond as well to this last coaching staff and maybe they can unlock something from him? within the new scheme, he, he's the wild card player for me. And uh, Harrison's Phillips too. I just like that signing. I, I think it's low key going to be a really good one. I, fans will kind of see the, the type of disruptive playing style he has. He, he defeats blocks a lot. And, and that's one of the things that Kevin O'Connell has stressed a lot, being very, very disruptive. How do you impact the game? And I think that's one of the adjectives you'd use to kind of describe Harrison Phillips overall game. And he's a great dude. I personally know a family who was impacted by, you know, his, his kindness and his charity. And I just, it's just really cool to hear kind of the, the, the family that I just happened to know that was impacted by Harrison Phillips. So good locker room guy, good player. Uh, You know, the Vikings are making splashing moves, but just, you know, some, some guys that fit the scheme and have some similarities, uh, familiarity with the coaching staff too. Yeah, it's, it's good at bringing in Harrison Phillips just from the perspective of uh, at least at minimum, we lose one Walter Peyton Man of the Year nominee and, and we gain another uh, with losing Barr and, and getting Phillips. So uh, at least you're getting a good you know human being that's joining this team, uh, which is always good to see. I, I'm going to back up just a little bit. So you had men, you, you started the conversation out tonight talking about Quasi and uh, how he's going to bring a different approach and he's going to you know, uh, you know, taking more of a holistic view of the team and whatnot. And then we go into this off season and it seems like a lot of the same stuff though, right? Like extending Kirk, you know, making one splash signing in Zedaria Smith, you know, a couple low key signings because we just don't really have the money. I, so there's not much he can really do, but a lot of these moves are similar to the moves that we've seen Rick make over the last few years. So did, did, did we just waste our time letting Rick go? 
Well, I, I think some of it is, you know, it seems like the the regime feels like maybe they can unlock something with the with the current structure that they have, just filling in some pieces, improving the coaching. Um, I think, you know, ownership and everybody in that organization wants to to be a playoff team, and I think they feel like they can. So that's one of the reasons why they made the the moves that they did this offseason to kind of get themselves in a position to to be a playoff team, and maybe they're not to that point where – you know, they're able to, to reach for that championship. I mean, you never know, like you could get hot at the right time or something crazy could happen, but you know, you're not at that point where, you know, you're going to be a, a championship team until you can get kind of all those pieces together. So Kowasi's coming in here and he has to kind of fill in the pieces and, you know, the Kirk Cousins contract, they did the extension there, but I also think now you're at that point where you're, you're thinking ahead going, okay, when is the quarterback picked here? Because, Kirk Cousins is definitely going to come off the books when they need to pay Justin Jefferson. You can kind of feel that transitions coming very soon here. So I would say, you know, the next year or so is where Kowasi is going to really kind of make his mark. He's coming in here to just kind of fill in with what he's got because of the, the, the situation that they have. And it almost seems like he's trying to appease maybe ownership who – wants to stay relevant, wants to stay competitive. You have a, again, a top, you know, what, anywhere from eight to 13 quarterback on your team, right? So you might as yep. well try your best to run it back while he's here. Um, and and to your point, probably reset here in 20, after the 2023 season when we for sure have to pay Justin Jefferson at that time. So, no, I, I definitely agree. The other thing I wanted to just ask you was, you know, obviously we're talking about how we're filling in this team. Um, and, and and I know you know a lot about the draft. So based on the moves that we've made thus far, does that really point us in any specific direction of where we need to go next in the draft uh, with the first and, you know, first, second, third pick? Or have the moves done enough for us to say, we're going to just truly sit back, see what comes to us, maybe trade back, maybe take best player available. Uh, have we positioned ourselves well enough with the offseason moves thus far to be able to do that? That That's a really good question because I think, you know, you, you look at the the moves that they made this offseason. I, I believe, you know, bringing Pat Pete back, you know, like I said earlier, you don't really know what what the situation is with Cam Dancer, how they feel about him. If he is indeed able to play really well in this scheme, that that opens up a lot of flexibility in terms of what you can do with the draft because you look at their two signings, bringing in two predominantly nickel cornerbacks, guys that can play like in that dime package type of thing that you might see with with Patton and, and Donatel's influences coming through in the defense. So, you know, fans might not like it, but I, I could see a world where they don't go cornerback right away. Maybe it's a situation where they move back and take a cornerback because with Stingley testing as well as he did today, four three seven forty, putting up some really good numbers, 10-2 broad, 30-and-a-half-inch vertical. I mean, that's really, really impressive stuff. So I could see, honestly, a situation where Sauce and Stingley both go above pick 12 and then you're sitting there going do you really want to take Trent McDuffie a guy that I view more as a nickel cornerback at 12 if that's the case maybe you're looking to move back you're looking at someone like Andrew Booth who really liked the physicality of his game I think you know that guy makes a lot of impressive plays on the football like going up high point and attacking but I, I do think there's a lot of development that has to be done in his game he's probably not a guy that like 
you're coming in and going, hey, he's Stingley sauce. You can put this guy in right away. So what approach do they take? Do they, you know, there's a couple different routes they can go. If sauce and Stingley are there, I think, you know, you're pulling the trigger on one of those two guys. If the health is good with Stingley, that's the big question mark. You know, the, the medical's got to sign off on that. Maybe you trade back and you take a guy like Andrew Booth. That's the second option. Or you stay put and you go, okay, George Karloftis from Purdue, play him at the five tech. You know, the, the word I would use to describe him is disruptive. I got a lot of opportunities to see uh, Karloftis up close covering the Big Ten like I did. And I, I still think there's a lot of untapped potential in his game. He's just a solid player. He's not flashy, but he can play on the edge and kick inside. And I love how much power he can generate with his hands and legs and sink and he really hasn't reached that full potential. Like I said, he's quick, he's flexible, he's got that blend of power and speed. So, you know, it, he would be nice as a five tech because then you'd have the five tech with Karloftis, you'd have Phillips, and then be able to have, you know, Zadarius and Neil Hunter on the outside with Dalvin Tomlinson as well. So Karloftis maybe makes sense. Uh, you could go with Jordan Davis, a supreme athlete inside someone that, you know, you could you'd kind of have to restructure what your your defensive front look like. Maybe Harrison Phillips plays a little five tech. I think there that's maybe a little bit of a possibility. I don't think people have mentioned that enough. There's some versatility within Phillips games that gives them some options. Or do you stay put, you go wild card, go receiver, just build a whole bunch, add some more speed into into the offense. You know, they're gonna be an eleven personnel probably a little bit more than usual. Maybe not. Maybe they'll adapt the scheme a little bit but do you go with like a Garrett Wilson who I think reminds me a lot of you know uh, of Odell Beckham Jr. kind of a younger version of that he's smaller but he plays a lot bigger than you would think like he's he definitely is someone that I think could come in here and fit the scheme extremely well complement Jefferson and Thielen do you go that route do you go Chris Olave maybe I kind of see a lot of Adam Thielen and, and Chris Olave honestly just the route running detail and quick hands, being able to make those quick adjustments, like a very, you know, very young version of Adam Thielen, like not seasoned, but like I see some similarities and parallels there. What what I find interesting about Alave is, you know, we have a group chat uh, that we do with Climbing the Pocket, and I think I've seen every comparison for Alave from Deshaun Jackson <laughs> because of his speed. I compared him today to uh, to – um, Stefan Diggs, you know, and just from the perspective of he runs such smooth and clean routes, he's a little yeah. faster than Diggs and probably isn't as good a run after the catch. Um, uh, somebody else compared him to Justin Jefferson. So, I mean, you're getting all of these different comparisons <laughs> where it's just like, oh, that's interesting. And that, that that's one I hadn't heard yet. Um, so that's why I just laughed because I'm like, man, I, I've heard four comparisons of this guy for this guy today. And None of them are like the same kind of player. I mean, I guess it's, it's a faster guess version and digs are similar. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's probably so, yeah, it's, it's all good. No, it's interesting. All the comps, everybody's all over the spectrum on the comps, but I think that's what makes the draft fun is because everybody sees a little bit different. It's 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 an art in a sense. Like Kawasi's always talked about that too. You know that it, it's just kind of the the artistic side of football is is the fascinating yeah. part because everybody kind of has a different perspective. And that's, that's what you got to find. You got to be able to combine all that information together. And those people, they, they draft the best. So if, if, if you're the Vikings today, right, 
you're making the, the, the final call. Who are you going with at, at pick 12? Or I heard you mention a potential trade back, um, which I think I'm trending towards at, at the current moment, unless someone falls outside of that top 10 that you, that you really want to snag. I, I think this is a team that could probably use some more, some more players, especially on day two, but who are, what, what would your thought be right now? If, if you had to pick for the Vikings? Well, I would say if if Stingley's available, that's probably the route I go. Just based off, you know, seeing how he's work working out today, he's he's still probably not one hundred percent. But like, if I had my medical staff going, I feel good about this guy long term that he could stay healthy. I'm definitely probably pulling the pulling the trigger on that or Sauce. Okay, if if one of those two guys aren't available, then honestly, I think I'm probably looking at at trading back and going, okay, let's see what, what the board does. Maybe you, you, you decide to go receiver. You decide to go Jordan Davis. Maybe you move back a few spots for Karloftis. Gaining that draft, the draft resources gives you some options because I think the sweet spot of this draft is like from 25 to like 80 to 85. There are a lot of really good players. One guy I really like that I, I don't think is getting a lot of, of buzz is UConn's Travis Jones, a nose tackle. I think this guy is incredible as a, like athletic defensive tackle. Like you don't see guys move like this. Four nine two forty at three hundred twenty five pounds, and I was watching some film uh, a few days ago. Going, man, this guy just gets off of blocks because he plays with his hands so well. And he's just incredibly disruptive and pushes the pocket collapse. I believe as a person that, you know, studies defense and, and does a lot at the college level throughout the season, looking at analytics and looking at the numbers and, and the scheme side of it, I believe interior pocket push is the, is the most important thing when you're building a team because you have to be able to collapse the pocket, impact quarterback's vision, Make sure he can't step up in the pocket with play extension being so important now. If your pass rush is getting pushed up the middle and your edge guys are able to retrace the rush, those are the best defensive lines that play in sync together. And it starts by being really strong inside. Travis Jones is just a really unique player to me. I I would not be surprised if some team really liked him and, and picked him like in, at the end of round one, like right at the end. But maybe he's an option if the Vikings do trade back. You know, they pick there and, and pick up some additional assets. He's a player that I really, really like. But, you know, if, if I was at 12, I think every option's on the table just because of how they've handled some of the moves that they made. I would not be upset if they went wide receiver as well just because, hey, get as many skill players as you can on this team and then look at cornerback uh, in the second round. Sure. Uh, if you're uh, hold you on, know, we, we if have, you're at twelve, a, what if he's available? Malik Willis. <laughs> oh, I, I I don't think Malik Wills will be there, but I mean, there's a chance. I I would say wait on the quarterback at this point. Uh, it, I would be more intrigued if Matt Corral was available, like in the second round, and you did did a move up like that. I personally am a lot higher on Matt Corral than than most people are. I watch his tape and I see quick release, good field vision, the accuracy and decision-making I thought improved. I still want to see him get a little better and accurate on the, the deep ball, specifically throwing on the run. It's accuracy sometimes wavers there, but that 
play extension ability. He's got good pocket feel, although sometimes he can kind of hold the ball too long and tries to make too much happen. But he can make all the throws. And what I really like about him is when you watch Ole Miss play, you see that leadership, competitive fire, uh, just the way that his teammates gravitate towards him. He got hurt in the in the bowl game, and you could just see how devastated he was that he couldn't be out there for his teammates to finish the season. And I think this guy's grown up a lot. He's played with in a system that high tempo, RPO, quick throw type of offense. But I also think there's more to his game than that. And you get him in, you develop him up a little bit. He is the guy that I would be most intrigued with as a developmental quarterback if I'm looking at like second round or possibly moving up into the you know early stages of the second round for a quarterback thinking ahead and planning for the future he he would be my guy and yeah, I think that I makes like a lot, lot of sense too because when you think about the fact that they just extended Kirk Cousins you can take a, a chance on a, on, a, on a day two guy to sit behind Kirk for a whole year um, or even two if, if if he sticks around and doesn't get traded. Um, so I'm on board with that. That Ryan, you had a question? I did, and and well, I'm going to make a couple of comments before I get to the question here. Number one, you know, thanks to all the uh, listeners listening in live right now. We appreciate you. We seen the, we are seeing the comments, trying to kind of sprinkle in some of the things you're saying in with our questions, so keep those coming. Number two, one specific comment I have to mention, again, Oklahoma ties here. Uh, jo- oh, Joseph, he had mentioned Perrion Winfrey which yeah. you're talking D tackles here. So Winfrey, unlike, you know, some of these other tackles, he's going to be on the lighter side of the D tackle mm-hmm. class that we have. Um, and, and again, I, I've watched a ton of Winfrey over the last couple of years at Oklahoma. Um, he's going to be more of like a bull in a China shop. He's not super refined from the perspective of, you know, uh, you know, patience, Right. He, he's not a great run block or run, you know, defensive guy. He, he is going to push the pocket. He's going to disrupt great passing or like a, he'll, he'll get generate great push from the inside as a D tackle three tech. Um, I think he could play, you know, um, uh, at, at the five and like a three, four. Right. Um, but he will struggle a little bit in the run game because he's just, 100% up the field right away. And you can definitely navigate your run game around that and even attack him. So that's something he'll need to work on. Number, my actual question, sorry, is we have listeners who do tune in with us every week and we appreciate all of you for doing that. Um, we had Thor Nystrom of NBC Sports Edge on last week and he was an I mean, we tried to deter him away even from talking about a little. He just kept coming back to bashing, eh, not bashing, heavily criticizing Derek Stingley. So you yeah. love Stingley. You tested well. You you're, you think he's a surefire top 10. He's saying that he probably would take Elam, McDuffie for sure, obviously Gardner. Um, and he might I, – I don't know if he said – that anyone else but he for sure said those guys over stingley so you say you like him he didn't so can you maybe educate some of our listeners on you know some of the pros that stingley brings compared to comparatively to what thor was saying last week where he had some concerns i think it's it's the transition quickness and the ability to move incredibly well like the dude is so smooth and fluid in in everything he does he he plays with natural instincts he feels routes really well mirrors receivers and lean and locate on the deep balls he's in good position on that on those 
and he's got the speed. We saw that today. You know, it, it's the injury factor that I think is really worrying people about Stingley. But, you know, you go back. I watched Stingley all the way up. I mean, granted, he's, he's I believe, only played like 10 games over the past two seasons just due to the injuries. I mean, that that's a huge factor. I'm definitely worried about that. I say it with if the medical staff, because we don't have all the information as analysts, if the medical staff says he's good to go and you're telling me that Derek Stingley is available, he's good medically, I feel like he can be a really, really good fit in this defensive scheme if he's available. But, you know, how how does the board fall out? I think he's going to go much, much higher than that. Now, after today, I would say Sauce and Stingley are gone. I, I run all my draft sims, and I, I can't tell you, I, I rarely, rarely have both of them uh, or one of them available when I'm picking a 12. All your so draft talk- sims. How many draft sims have you ran so far? Every day I got to do one, at least one or two. You know, you do one in the morning, you do one in the evening sometimes. Sometimes it's just one a day, but I enjoy doing it with the, the PFF feature now where I can trade back and I can even have players involved. So I'm constantly thinking about, like, what what can I do? How can I gain some more assets? And I like we talked about trading back earlier, I, I think that might end up being a really good good path for the Vikings if they yeah. want to accumulate some more assets in that sweet spot going, hey, we got to build some depth on this team because that's still the thing that, I said it last year going into the season, the depth was not where it needed to be. I still feel like they need to take a step forward there. That's why this draft is so important, you guys, and that's why I'm excited to see what Kowasi does because everyone's been real critical of Kowasi's offseason, but Kowasi's draft is where I feel like we're going to get a lot of clarity on the long-term direction, how he approaches roster building, what he does in terms of moving up and down the draft, how aggressive he is. If Kowasi can get a good draft class put together here where he nails a lot of picks, it will help the depth of the team and get them in a position where they can be a lot more competitive. I think the, the success of this year's team hinges on how well they can draft here and fill in some depth. Do you think he can have a 250? 2015 light draft. Do you think we'll with his see. analytic I mean, style, he can he can identify those type players that are going to contribute, not I, just I short term the, but long term. I think that's a huge information factor. I think that the tough thing will be this year, and I don't know, you know, him coming in late with scouts he hasn't worked with like trying to put all that together, he might lean on the data a lot more because, you know, I've talked with people in the league that use the the analytics side of it and they go, hey, if I've got like 10 guys lined up here and I've got, you know, five of them check the boxes with the analytics, two of them are really, really good in those areas, I'm probably going to lean toward the guys that the numbers really support. And if my coaching staff feels they fit in the scheme, you know, then I'm definitely do it. But with the models that these teams have in terms of, you know, scheme, production, uh, the testing metrics, there are so many ways to quantify, you know, player projection and, and look ahead at what they can become. So that's where I think Kowasi could give the Vikings a major edge is the draft, because that's where you build depth. That's where you find those instant impact blue chip contributors in like the first and second rounds where, you know, the Vikings haven't drafted well 
in the first round. They need to be able to identify those blue chip guys and, and pick them and have a lot of success. I mean, that that's the key. They got to have long-term uh, blue chip talent drafting and also fill in with depth and find those value guys, which I think the Vikings have done a good job in the past, you know, in like the second, third, fourth round. But now let's see it spread out over the whole draft, put together a complete class. I, I've heard you talk quite a bit about, um, you know, some some first round guys. Are there some some day two, day three guys that maybe pique your interest, especially as it maybe pertains to um, like the Vikings needs, such as like cornerbacks and edge and probably probably offensive line um, as well? Really like this is this is a different one. This is probably outside the box, but I really like Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. Uh, I think okay. the Vikings still, the Vikings could still use a, a linebacker um, in in the defensive scheme. You know, just a guy that can impact games. And I look at Leo Chanel. I, I I put it this way: like I've talked to a lot of Big Ten coaches. And they all tell me that this guy is the toughest dude that they've had to scheme against in their coaching careers. I've had multiple people say that. The way that he challenges you with the play strength, the flexibility, the speed for a guy with his size, he's just so deadly when you get him moving downhill. And Wisconsin used him off those rap blitzes all the time where he just created so much havoc off of those plays. Leo Chanel is someone that I would be like, hey, if he's available to pick, you know, kind of depends, of course, on what you do in the first round. If you're going corner and then you go linebacker in the second round, I think he's someone that is going to be a really outstanding pro and would fit the scheme extremely well. And I don't know how that would fit in with the puzzle. I mean, you signed Jordan Hicks, but still, I, I feel like you can never have enough, you know, linebackers, and I think you can use them in a lot of uh, versatile ways. And he's got decent size, according to CBS. He's six three, two fifty. So yes, and, and, and I only well. I only boo because I just don't believe in players from Wisconsin. You know, being on this team, um, I'm not even that much of a Gophers fan, but I I, I do have to like um, you know help my you know rep with my boys who say boo to everything Wisconsin. Uh, but yes, he is a monster. I mean, I, I watch a little bit of him and. Um, and I, I watch uh, obviously him play, you know, this year within a few games. I'm just like he definitely stood out um, as, as being a, as a true difference maker on the defense there. I would also say Travis Jones, as I mentioned earlier, as someone that I definitely could see the the Vikings having a lot of interest in, just because he'd, he'd fit this really really well. Uh, another sleeper that I like that I think could maybe play multiple different alignments and is gaining. Uh-huh. A little bit more buzz. I think the teams are excited about him is Missouri State defensive lineman Eric Johnson. Probably could play, you know, like three tech, maybe could play five tech in the Vikings defense, but he's really explosive. He ran a four eight four to four eight six range forty. Good link, good first step. Spin move was nasty at the senior bowl. And I think he's someone that with alignment versatility, a nine one four Raz and ran a seven three 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 count. I think he's someone that NFL teams will get really excited about as a potential sleeper. I think he'd fit Viking scheme really well, actually. 
But where would you select him? It'd be a mid-round type, you know, fifth-round selection type of pick. Um, I'm just trying to highlight some guys that I think, you know, everybody's yeah. talking about the first one to four rounds. I kind of want to touch on some guys that – you know, it could be really good value picks, which is where I've been spending a lot of my time watching players, especially as I go through college stuff that I'm doing. Well, CBS has well, and it seems like the Vikings at six foot five, two ninety eight. He's not a small man. Play a little um, five. And, and it seems it seems like the Vikings are bringing in um, some so, some of these guys, right? So obviously. Maybe we put too much importance on this, but you know, you get your however many different visits that you get from you know draft prospects mm-hmm. that you can bring in and and do the you know more personal touch interviews. And traditionally, at least with the Rick Spielman you know led teams, uh, that that was a huge indicator of of interest, obviously. And typically, we brought you know we drafted a couple of these guys that we bring in each year. Um, and it seems like, and again, I don't know, I'm not a I you know I haven't done as much draft work as I typically do each year. Uh, but it seems like a lot of these guys are going to be more in this range that you're talking about, like that four, yeah. you know, basically just all of day three, right? Uh, but one interesting name that I was really excited about was Cole Strange. Um, I, I pulled yeah. up some 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 of his work. Um, dude just seems nasty. <laughs> and he plays a position of, I guess, kind of need. I mean, I know we brought in a lot of competition to play that right guard spot. He's actually more of a left guard at Chattanooga. But he's done a great job in his career. He scored extremely high in PFF, which, again, I know it's not the end-all, be-all. But, you know, it, it's always a positive, I think, whenever you're scoring consistently high there. Um, and, and, again, watching some of his tape, he just looks like, this nasty brawler that you would want on your offensive line. So do you know much about him or do you know much about any of these other interior linemen that, you know, cause again, obviously we probably need to look for a center at some point and we still really don't have guards solidified for sure. So some of these guys that, you know, maybe intrigue you in the, in that mid round range. Yeah, I would say definitely Cole Strange being a center that I think the Vikings could be really interested in. I believe they had him in on a top 30 visit Duke was reporting. So uh, looking at looking at, at Cole Strange, I think, you know, the senior bowl, watching how he was able to anchor against bigger nose tackles. I think, you know, Viking fans obviously want to see uh, a center that can hold up against these dynamic you know, powerful defensive tackles. Like Garrett Bradbury obviously has the quickness and the athleticism and is good in the ground game, but you got to have guys, a guy that can wall up against these big, big nose tackles and, and keep the pocket interior clean, which I said, you know, earlier, that's the biggest thing that causes problems for offenses is that pocket push. You got to have a center that can hold up. And that's where I think Strange is really solid. I mean, you look at 31 bench press reps and to be able to run a 50340. And his relative athletic score is 994 out of 10. So, I mean, he's a really good athlete. Also has that strength component, though, because we all knew when the Vikings picked Bradbury, he's probably got to get a little bit stronger. You know, he hasn't been a – you know, he had to develop into being a center. Cole Strange is a guy I think that definitely gives you some positional versatility, too, because he probably could play guard and center. So I I really like him as well. Another – player that I'd keep an eye on is Rashid Walker from Penn State. I believe he's coming in for a top 30 visit as well. Uh, a guy that can play tackle or guard, I would say probably projects best as a guard. 
I would put him at the top of the list in terms of guys that maybe could be, you know, a third round type of selection if the Vikings want to go that route, gives them some versatility. I think that's going to be one of the most important things that they're looking at when they're targeting offensive linemen. Another guy I like is Josh Izudu from UNC. Uh, I'm not sure where he's going to get picked. Uh, I've, I've, he's all over the spectrum. Maybe he'd be a f- fifth round pick, sixth, seventh round pick, day three guy. But when I watch him, I know uh, I, I really see a guy that I think can play guard or tackle as well. Probably fits better at the guard, but he's extremely strong guy. I mean, he blows people off the ball, but he's also got really good lateral agility. I think he'd fit really nicely in his own scheme. Like I watched a couple of those film cut games on the all 22. And I said, okay, who is this guy? Like was working on something else. And he definitely jumped out as me as a, as a player who I think could be kind of a sleeper for uh, a team like the Vikings, if they're looking for that. And blaze Andres from Minnesota. I think he's also a really intriguing player who tested in the 90th percentile, really smart guy. We'll probably touch on blaze a little bit later, but Reminds me a lot of Royce Newman, uh, uh, fourth-round pick from the Packers last year. I think he's someone that you, know, you can use at guard or tackle, and that might be something that the Vikings value as they're targeting offensive line. But those are a few that I would say all over the spectrum uh, could be fits for the Vikes. Well, well, let's let's shift gears here and and cover some of the the Gopher prospects for for this upcoming oh. NFL draft. You obviously know this team inside and out, so this should come as as no problem to you. But uh, I'll let you kind of defer uh, to, to who you want to talk about first. But but tell the fans listening, and myself included, because I don't know if I, I mentioned this to you this week. I, I, I mentioned it to the listeners last week, but I am no draft expert. So these weeks having you guys on is really just – you're, you're catching me up to speed, and I hope the the information I'm getting from you guys is as valuable to the, the people listening as well. It's 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 top notch, and I, I got little mental notes to what to go go look at after this. So um, tell me about the Gopher prospects and and who we should be excited about. Well, boy, Amafe is getting all the buzz after you know lighting up the combine, doing really well at the Senior Bowl. Uh, being a player of the game on, on his team down there in Mobile. I'm not surprised in the least. I saw this guy, I remember as a sophomore, going to a gopher football practice, and I went, okay, this guy right here, he's going to be something in a few years. And I remember I asked P.J. Fleck about Boy Mafe, like his first year he was there, P.J.'s just talking about, oh, he's got all the traits, you know, he's he's, he's got a lot of work to do, but – you project out and this guy could be a special talent. Well, you watch how he grew over the course of his career and you just saw that that progression where things would just slowly come together, where he had just these incredible athletic traits. I mean, 41 and a half inch vertical at his pro day, being able to just test at a ridiculous level. I mean, I you see that speed profile being very similar to like a Daniil Hunter, but like overall comp to like a, a Bradley Chubb type of, you know, athlete. I mean, this guy, I see him in the NFL being someone that you can use very creatively. Like you can drop him, you can get him inside, you can rush him off the edge. And I still think there's even room for him to grow as a player. I thought one of the things that Boye really focused on entering this last season was becoming a better run defender. 
and, you know, just playing with better leverage and extending and getting off of blocks and setting edges correctly. I thought by the end of the year, he got a lot better in that category. But as a rusher, the explosiveness, the speed, the first step, that's what's special about Boy. This guy is like the definition of explosive. And I think he plays with outstanding effort, too. Like this guy never quits on the play. Like you'll see if you watch Minnesota film, there'll be a play on the opposite side of the field. And this guy running it down and covering a whole bunch of ground. Like he never takes plays off. And to see a guy move like that, uh, he's just really an impressive talent. And I think an NFL team will not only be rewarded as a player, but this guy's personality of the seven years that this is year seven now covering the Gophers, I would say he is one of the best personalities that I've come across while doing this. Like just a genuine guy. He's super detailed. Like you ask him, cause I'd always go into the weeds and I'd be like, okay, can you walk me through the, you know, your second sack of the game? How did you set that rush up? And he's just telling me, oh yeah, the tackle overset. So I come with an inside counter and I, you know, all game I could just feel him you know, oversetting, and then I eventually set up that counter. Like, he always takes you into the detailed aspects That's of the awesome. game. And I think I think that was what was always so cool about Boye for me. And he's got a great story. I wrote a feature on Boye. Uh, he went to boarding school in Nigeria growing up, learned a lot about himself and the Yorba culture, which is very influential to who he is as a person. His family really shaped him into who he is today. I tell you, if you're an NFL team and you interview this guy, I guarantee he he was really impressive in that process. So I, I would anticipate he'll go at the end of the first round. But if he drifts into the to day two, a team better be getting ready to to pull the trigger because he's a really good player. So, I was going to ask you, how far does he drop? Does he make it out of the first round? And do we select him in the second if we get to that point? And to me, if yeah, he makes I, it into the second at that point, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. If he's in the second round at, at the Vikings pick slot, for sure. I don't see that happening. I see him going late first round. You know, like I think about the Cowboys. I think about the Chiefs. I think about even the Packers as potential fits for Boye. Uh, there, his ability to create mismatches is exactly what uh, NFL teams are looking for in, in defensive linemen. I think Boye just checks all the boxes and has done an incredible job during the pre-draft process. I mean, nails it at the senior bowl, nails it at the combine, nails it at the pro day. And then I'm sure he's doing an outstanding job with the interviews as well. Very good. And I would say, that's great. Yeah, no, I, uh, all I was going to say is that, you know, so it sounds like a perfect idea to trade back with the chiefs, let them trade (laughs) up for whatever receiver they want that we can go wrap up hopefully a cornerback and, and then Mafe and, and really solidify some of these, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily short-term holes, but the long-term vision of like having a long-term corner, having a long-term edge, because I know Smith might be only a one-year guy and obviously Pat Peterson's the one-year guy. And so, you know, you can solidify some really solid talent there. Um, but that's obviously another training back. Uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. You know, trading back, you can get a corner, and then someone like Boye, I mean, you're you're in a really good position with not just now immediate need, but but building for the future too. Well, and obviously, you know, the Gophers, it is, it's kind of weird, right? Like the Gophers, we're not used to hearing about like these great prospects. And then, you know, two years ago you had uh, Winfield and, and Bateman, 
uh, and or it's Winfield was two years ago. Bateman was last year, right? And yeah, um, but and then and then this year you have Mafe, who's this athletic freak, right? Who obviously, by all accounts, from everything you just said, great personality, great person, everything. And then you have another athletic freak with who I also hear great things about from a personality perspective. And Falale, is that how you say his last name? Daniel Falele. Yep, Falele. Falele. All right, there you go. So, so tell us a little bit about him. Obviously, he's probably not going to be a Vikings target per se, but you know, you never know. And uh, and and I hear wonderful things about this guy. I think he's a difficult prospect to project. I mean, he he's massive. Uh, and being around, you know, Vikings back in the day, going to training camp when I was a kid, looking at like Bryant McKinney and you know uh, Phil Lodeholt. You know, th- this guy's bigger. Like this guy is bigger in terms of like just being a mammoth size guy. Didn't play in 2020. Opted out due to COVID. I think you know he hasn't played much football. Uh, it didn't start playing overall uh, like competitive football until 2017. Came from uh, Australia to IMG Academy in Florida. Like Hawaii football came down some, and he started to get a lot of interest. Decided to come up and, and give football a try. He's playing rugby and basketball before that. So he gets up here in 2018 as a true freshman. See some time throughout the season. Gets thrown right into the fire. Starts in 2019, learning a lot of the things along the way. You got to give Brian Callahan, the offensive line coach, a lot of credit for getting him ready to even be in a spot to play with the limited experience he had. But then misses 2020, comes back in 2021. He cut some weight, seemed to be a little bit quicker. But the one thing, you know, I, I would say overall that really worries me a little bit is just the pass pro side of it. I think. He's got to learn to play with consistent pad level. He has a lot of trouble with, with playing upright at times. Rushers will get him off balance, and then he starts grabbing or, or losing his balance. And I think that is the, the area of his game that's inconsistent because he doesn't have, like, superb lateral agility. So teams tended to hit the Gophers with a lot of stunts and try to get him to set and pick him up. But I do think the strength is in the running game, you guys. I think this guy, like – I, I was really impressed with his instincts and ability to block the perimeter off the zone scheme. Like he he moves people, but he's also able to generate you know movement by being able to get out on the perimeter and find work and take good angles in the ground game. So there's definitely a lot to like there. Ideally, you know, with a guy with this type of skill set, you'd love to kick him inside, but he's too big. I mean, he, he can't play the guard spot. It's just it's it's not going to work. So. He's, he's going to play right tackle. I think it's hard because some teams won't have him on their board at all because they go, okay, he doesn't check the athletic boxes, the testing side of it. They, they just don't think he's going to develop into a scheme fit. Then you'll have those teams that go, okay, I have him on my board because I think we can develop him into something and get him into our system and we feel like there's something there. So that's what could lead to Falele not be not being real certain about where Falele's picked because certain teams will really like him, certain teams won't have him on their board. Well, I thought he was like a day two lock as kind of everything that I read. CBS yeah, has him we'll early round two. We'll see what happens with him. I, I don't know. It, it, it's tough. Like I said, it's really tough to project Falele just because of, of his skill set. And I think – 
he can turn into a really talented developmental tackle, but I think it could take some time because, like I said, hasn't played a lot of football, and teams will need to really get – he needs to get in the right system with the right coaching staff. That is the the biggest key, I would say. So outside of, of, of those two that you've already spoken about, we have a few more other, like, gopher prospects that could potentially yep. be drafted. Um, who would you – care to talk about I I know I got was it Niles Pickney is that one the defensive tackle yeah Niles Niles put together a pretty good season I would say a Sezi Atomewo is someone I see Dave's got okay. his photo up a Sezi there um really unfortunate the pre-draft process he, he suffered a, a an injury in the bowl game that impacted him his knee and so he was unable to be at the senior bowl didn't participate in the combine couldn't participate in the first pro day he had his own pro day with 10 teams there earlier this week. Uh, definitely getting some buzz from some NFL teams going in for some top 30 visits. Overall skill set-wise, he's not a speedy rusher, but he has that lower body power and, and length that you're looking for as a five-technique defensive end. He played five-tech at Minnesota. I see, honestly, I think he'd be a pretty good fit in the Vikings defensive scheme as a five-tech uh, if the Vikings looking for you know a type of value pick. I think, you know, he made a lot of strides over the course of his career. I think this last season, um, you know, watching him grow each and every game by like October, he was really in a nice groove and he uses wingspan to extend and defeat blocks and and took a step forward with the hand technique, being able to generate leverage. And I, I view him as a five tech probably gets picked in the in the later rounds uh, I don't know with the medical thing that's always makes it a little bit difficult to project but he's still getting top 30 visits and had 10 teams at the private pro day this week so it says he's definitely drawn some interest and then I would say blaze Andres too um, offensive lineman oh, yeah. tested really well like I said 93rd percentile plus athlete. Uh, Royce Newman comp is what I, what I had him at. Uh, one of the smarter players on the Gophers team, uh, majored in actuarial science. He's been around forever too. He has, he's been around forever. He's been, he was a part of the first transition class when PJ Fleck came in and had to put the class together, kind of get it all set. He was one of the guys in that original class. So it has been a while, 2017 class guy. But majored in actuary science, master's in applied business analytics in the Carlson School. And I wrote a feature on him a few weeks ago and, and talked with him about, you know, growing up in Marshall, going to play for the Gophers. Now he's taking that next step to the NFL. We had a long discussion, you know, about analytics and football. We were, we were having a really good time. Like, I just enjoyed talking with this guy. And he was he was telling me about, you know, the NFL teams and they were asking him about the the football analytics side of it. And he was saying, you know, this is something that I could see myself doing when my career is done. So just tells you like the interest in applying some of the things that these teams are using. He is very interested in it just in himself because he's always been a math guy, but on the field, mobile player generates good vertical movement off the zone scheme, made a lot of big backside blocks on the outside zone stuff, sealing edges and, and making blocks on the perimeter. I think he can still keep growing in pass pro, like especially with stunts and that type of thing in his pass pro sets. I think 
he has all the traits that he needs. And with coaching, he definitely can take that step. He's got the strong anchor, good hands, mobility, very physical player. Um, gives you some versatility too, because he's played guard and tackle. He played every position along the offensive line except center. And he's even was working out at center down in Phoenix, trying to learn those techniques. He's actually working out at Exos down in Phoenix with Garrett Bradbury, who's down there as well. They were spending some time together working out. So, uh, Blaze Andres, uh, definitely a guy that, uh, could get picked later in the draft as well. Do either of the tight ends make it as... UDFAs. Cole Keeft, Sioux Center, Iowa, smash mouth tight end, blocks like a tackle. I mean, this guy, he, he really set the tone for the Gophers. When you watch games, people made the the Coke, the Keefe's House of Pancakes t-shirts because he and then donated the money and the proceeds to charity because this guy would just pancake people all the time in games. And you see the wrestling background come through as a blocker. Uh, very flexible and good lateral agility. Tested well on the shuttle side of it. Uh, just competes. That's what that's what you love about Coquive. He jumps out immediately when you watch Minnesota. And I think a team that is looking for a guy that is an H-back type of tight end that can really block and do it at a high level. He gives me some flashbacks to David Morgan a little bit. Very similar, actually, in terms of size and, and the blocking prowess. Uh, definitely someone that... We'll draw some interest. Uh, Neil Cornisich is his agent. So he's got a pretty high-profile agent uh, guiding him through the, the draft process here. Uh, and I think uh, him not getting a combine invite was really confusing to me because he's like the highest-graded tight end by PFF last year, and he, he did not get a combine invite. A lot of people were really surprised by that. But, uh, yeah, I would keep an eye on Coquif and Jack Gibbons as well. Jack transferred to the Gophers from Abilene Christian right before last season at one year of eligibility. But if Minnesota does not have Jack Evans last year, their defense wouldn't have looked the way it did. Smart, instinctive, physical player, gets off of blocks, uh, very impressed with how he reads and reacts. The guy just processes the game really fast. He's a step ahead of everybody. He will be a guy that you know, is maybe like a late seventh or undrafted guy that someone really likes because they, they just fall in love with the, the production that he had at Minnesota and then special teams. He'll be a guy that is on the team battling for a spot like that. And I actually comped him athletically to Audie Cole back in the day, late round draft pick from the Vikings. Uh, has some similarities in his arm. The testing was actually pretty close. So I was I was surprised, but those are some guys along with Coney Durr. Uh, Coney will be a UDFA guy, uh, nickel cornerback, very physical player, uh, played mostly on the outside, kicked inside a little bit. But uh, somebody will give him an opportunity. He's really a competitor. He, he gives you that physicality, uh, can play the nickel at the next level, I'd say. All right, back to Coquif. Would he comp to yes. Jimmy Kleinsaucer? Is he that good? At pancake blocks. Jimmy Kleinsaucer. Ooh, that's that's a that's a big comparison. It's probably before you were that. born, but oh, I love Jimmy me some Jimmy. No, no, no. I remember no. Jimmy Kleinsaucer when I was going to Vikings training camp. I was like six years old. I used to go to Vikings training camp and bring my own like uh, chair thing that I'd stand uh-huh. on. Like I'd, I'd have my ball, you know, get get my my autograph ball when I was a kid. So I have all these photos back in the day. You know, I got like. Dante, Culpepper, Randy Moss, all these cool uh, photos from back in the day down in Mankato when I was a kid. So I, I remember the Jimmy Kleinsaucer days. 
you know, it's an interesting comp. The, the similar size profile, actually, you know, really good blockers. Uh, Cole is, is going to be a guy that makes an NFL team, I think, just because the guy competes. He's actually related to Brandon Scherf. That's a fun fact. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, interesting. So fun fact on Cole Keith. Well, if he can block as well as Jimmy did. Uh, <laughs> That's a steep bar. That's a steep I, bar. Well, it is a huge steep bar. I've watched him pancake defensive <laughs> tackles and linebackers like it was nothing. Um, if he can but do that Joe well, really he, he can get a job. Without a doubt, he can get Joe's a job. a really good run blocker. Yep, I agree. Yep. Are there are there any other Gopher players uh, that you want to talk about before we wrap this show up, or just any final thoughts in general? Those are my main Gophers, guys. I, I just think you know I'm, I'm excited for the draft. I want to see what Kawasi does because I think the way that they've done free agency, they have some flexibility now that they have Pat Pete. They got Dantzler. They picked up two nickels. I feel like the flames will be burning if the Vikings don't pick a cornerback with the first pick, but I'm not going to be surprised if that happens. If they stay put and they go wide receiver or edge or they move back and go a different direction and accumulate some more picks like we talked about before, it just kind of depends on you know how you know, how far teams moving up, what type of package you can get. But, you know, Kowasi, like I said, if he nails this draft, it puts the team in a, in a different threshold, in my opinion, because the depth is what is needed. They have a lot of skill talent on the offensive side. If they don't go receiver round one, this is my last guy I want to talk about, is Khalil Shakir from Boise State. Very sudden route okay, runner, yeah. but has the speed to separate vertically. Kind of reminds me of a faster Robert Woods. I don't think he's getting enough love, but if they don't go receiver, they want to wait until like you know round three to pick a receiver. Uh, um, I like my guy Khalil Shakir from Boise State. I love it. I think I think we talked about him a little bit last week, if I remember right, Ryan. Right? I, I think so. Yeah, I think the only like knock on him was a little a little case of the drops, but uh, outside of that, I think he's um, from what Thor was saying and what I've read and and, and what I've seen. He, he seems like a good prospect. I like Jalen Tolbert. Um, quite a bit too from a small another small school yep. there, and then uh, and even Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce seems like an interesting um, athletic guy. So I will say this: there are a lot of really good, like versatile defensive backs in this class. Like we didn't even go down that rabbit hole. Like we'll have to do, do something mm-hmm. again, or I'll come on during the draft. But like I was sitting back watching mid to late round DBs that can play like nickel safety corner or just corner and nickel, uh, there's a lot of guys that check those boxes, and I think that's something that's big. Versatility will be the theme Vikings fans should get used to with Kowasi. He wants guys that can play multiple spots, especially on the offensive line, defensive line, even the secondary. I think every position you're looking for versatility because the more guys that you can have playing different roles, the better. So Keep an eye on that throughout the draft. There are a ton of mid to late round DBs that I think provide versatility and can play really unique roles for this team. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that because not only – I mean, it's throughout the whole draft, right? Like even some of these top corners, you, you mentioned Trent McDuffie. You, you see him more as a slot guy. I, I think he can play both, right? Kyler Gordon, his teammate over at Washington, I watch a lot of him. I think he easily could play both inside outside. Roger McCreary has got apparently got alligator arms, but 
you know, so that, that might kick him inside apparently, but like you saw yeah. him, you know, shut down some of the best receivers in the sec on the outside. So like, you know, even the second round guys, Trent McDuffie, first round guy, I mean, a lot of versatility. I, I was, uh, we were talking last week with Thor and all these offensive linemen, they have a thousand reps at center, a thousand reps at right guard and left guard, like Donovan West and Luke Fortner and, and uh, Dylan Parnum, like all these guys are yep. just super versatile. So I, I think it, it's kind of interesting to kind of see almost how versatile this whole entire class is compared to what we've seen in past years. And I think that starts at the college level because the game has become so multiple in terms of, you know, you just watch Dave Aranda's defense at Baylor, for example, all the different looks they're throwing at you. And they're, they constantly recruit guys that they can get on the field in a, in a, a totally, you know, a whole different amount of ways. And I look at guys like Damari Mathis from Pittsburgh. I think he's a faster version of the guy the Vikings just signed, Chandon Sullivan. So if you're looking for someone that can kind of play – Nickel, maybe kick back to safety, still have the outside skills. He's a guy, Jalen Armour Davis from uh, Bama. I think, you know, only being one year as a starter has a lot of the traits you're looking for and could turn into something really special if you give him the time to develop. Jalen Watson at Washington State, a super late round guy that, uh, you know, he's got a really interesting story. I, I encourage people to go check it out to kind of see how he overcame adversity and then figured things out now he's, he's back and could be a guy that's picked nick cross from maryland another player that i like wanye thomas at georgia tech a hybrid versatile kind of safety linebacker kind of gives me some Dion buchanan vibes so uh those are some guys that nick cross he tested off the charts too i mean he he was like blazing fast wasn't he Yes, he was. He's four three four forty, um, and I saw him Jeez. a lot in the Big Ten. I mean, you watch him in Maryland. He he is the guy that you're 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 zoning in on when you're when you're looking at scheme and going, man, this guy just makes plays the range and everything that he can do in the defense. Honestly, I could see him being able to transition as a nickel corner, and that's one of the notes that I had when I went back through and looked at all the the notes I had on players. I said, really good movement guy. I could see him playing uh, nickel corner. So that's something to watch. Lots of really intriguing athletic and versatile defensive backs in the late rounds, which makes me think, you know, hey, the, the Vikings, if they feel like they got something in Dantzler that they can unlock, they go with Pat Pete, maybe they wait a little bit and go DB. Cam Taylor Britt, we didn't mention him, third, fourth round guy, potential player that I could see fit. And so – I mean, there are options, but uh, that's something that I love. The edge class and the the DBs, there's a lot of versatile options. Well, I, I know I know I shot you a message about potentially coming on uh, for our Climbing the Pocket draft weekend. So if, if you are open, there is a slot with your name on it to come uh, kind of call out everything that you did tonight. Like these names, I – I don't have my notebook with me, so I'm going to have to just go back and re-listen to the episode. But you just fired off about eight to ten names there at the end that I'm going to have to go check out because I don't know anything about these guys. So uh, thank you so much for that. That that was a uh, very incredible insight that, you, that you've provided us tonight. So I appreciate you you kind of hopping on and, and filling in the fans on, on NFL prospects. 
Well, I appreciate it. So it's, it's the way my worlds collide, college and NFL. I still do Vikings a little bit, but the, the college football has been the main focus. So when we can talk draft, it's always fun. And I'll, when I get my spring football schedule, we'll figure out uh, when I can come on for the draft. So looking forward Perfect. to it. Well, before we, uh, before we end this show, um, is there anything that you are working on specifically right now that you want to share with the fans? And then where can they find you if, if, if they, uh, they don't know where your work is or, or your Twitter handle? You can check out my stuff on Twitter at Daniel House NFL by Gophers content at gophersguru.com. I kind of take a different approach to the Gophers coverage with analytics, uh, next-gen stats, compiling a whole bunch of advanced box scores. There's some things that I built on there that subscribers get access to and features and just covering the team from every angle. Then also Vikings Corner, mnvikingscorner.com. More on the college side, but I still – Still tweeting about the Vikings, writing about the Vikings when time allows. So check out all that stuff. Uh, most of it's available at Daniel House NFL on Twitter. Well, Daniel, you're always welcome. If you want to come on and do anything, right, by yourself, be interviewed, whatever, give me, drop me a line. We can make that happen. Appreciate it, Dave. Always fun to come on. And, of course, the ladies behind you love it, too. So. <laughs> Oh yeah, gosh. thanks for the background. I'm sure the fans love that all night. They're they're going, man. It was honestly, I'm like trying to talk, and I'm like, oh man, I got I got this background that Dave set me up with. So we'll get you, we'll get you a different one next time, I promise. But uh, I, again, I, I I do thank you for hopping on tonight, um, Ryan, Dave. Thank you for joining again for another week. Um, next week, fans can come back. Uh, we have Chrissy Freud of the NFL Draft Network and NBC Sports Edge joining us. We'll talk about some quarterbacks and maybe some more offensive people. And then the week after that, as we get closer to the NFL Draft, Deontay Lee will be joining us uh, now of The Athletic. Uh, as of this earlier this week, he is now with The Athletic. So, Slash New York us. Times. Yes, yes. He'll be joining us on uh, April 20th, which is just a little bit more than a week away from the NFL draft. Which, speaking of the NFL draft, if you haven't heard already, Climb in the Pocket will be live all weekend long, providing three days of coverage, with the second day being live at Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul, Minnesota. We'll have giveaways, we'll have beer. We'll have a bunch of climbing the pocket personalities. So come on out from 5.30 to 10 o'clock or however late day two goes. Um, and join us as we give you coverage of the NFL draft. Um, and you can ask us some questions, all of the above. So um, with that being said, thank you, everybody. And Dave, let us know what the rest of the week's like and send us home. Well, everybody's known I've picked on Flip Mozzie. The great Flip Mozzie this week about whether he's going to have a show. I didn't figure he would. I got a message from Flip today. He said, and I quote, we're doing a damn show. So tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, Viking Hot Takes with the great Flip Mozzie and Eric Thompson of Daily Norseman followed up on Saturday by yours truly with Darren Campbell when we wrap up the week and look further into probably what's going to happen in the draft with the Minnesota Vikings, your Minnesota Vikings.
What do we say, guys? Skull Vikes. Skull Vikings. Come on, Daniel. I didn't hear you. What? <laughs> Can I get a skull? Skull? Skull Vikings. <laughs> Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.